You're listening to a sermon on the Mission Ridge Church Podcast. Hang around after the message for more information about Mission Ridge Church. Sermon notes for this message or any of our other messages can be found through our website, missionridge.church. Merry Christmas. Thanks for joining us today. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for the Advent season for this particular reason. This year, uh, except for this morning, the weather would not tell me that's almost Christmas, right? Like, it's been so warm. It reminds me when I was 10 years old, and my parents bought my brother and I sleds for Christmas. Unfortunately, my brother and I found the sleds before Christmas, and my dad made a proclamation. He goes, you know, you found the Christmas present before Christmas. You know you'll never get to use it, right? Well, my dad was a prophet. He didn't know he was a prophet because it didn't snow that year at all. And we moved to California. <laughs> and this feels like that kind of a year. Like, like we may not get very much snow, not enough snow to actually go sledding. And so we need Advent to remind us of what it is that we're celebrating and why we are celebrating. And we have as a church this definition, Advent is a time of preparation, reflection, and anticipation in the darkest days of the year, that much is true, to celebrate the arrival of the light of the world. At Advent, we, we reflect on the first Advent, the first time Christ came into the world and, and what it meant for us as individuals and, and as a community to receive what Christ came to give, that amazing gift of salvation. But we also look forward to the second Advent and, and, and the reality that that will bring and then we try to figure out what do we, what do we live out in the in-between of these two Advents? And that's what we're trying to do during this season. And it's important for us to note that Advent orients us towards peace. Advent turns our attention towards peace. It reminds us that we are to be a people of peace. And we get this primarily from Isaiah 9. For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. There will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and then uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. We serve the Prince of Peace. That is who our Messiah is. That is who our Savior is. And we're told that there'll be, there'll be no lack of increase of, of, the, of his rule, of his government, of, of the force of his will, and of peace. And I'm grateful for that. Now, I have to be honest. I'll be a little bit transparent with you tonight. My heart 
isn't naturally inclined towards peace. I don't know if you knew that about me or not. I kind of like war. There's a part of me, and, and maybe it's my 20 years Air Force, um, but I don't think so. I, you know, it's not like I saw all kinds of conflict and just thrived off of it in the Air Force. In fact, I used to tell people that uh, if, if we were depending on my ability to shoot people with an M16 rifle, we were in a lot of trouble. I was very pedestrian when it came to shooting a rifle. In fact, I was equally pedestrian with either, with either arm. You know, I could shoot left-handed or right-handed, and it didn't matter. You had a 50-50 chance of surviving. But when I drive down reserve, and you guys know that I, I talk about this a lot, but, I, you know, a year ago, I found myself going, man, Rob, what is going on with you? Because I just found myself just so angry at the other drivers. This town does not believe in red lights, uh, not for themselves. They believe in red lights for everybody else, but not for themselves. I'm, I'm convinced of that. But I didn't like where I was at. There was conflict inside of me, and other people happened to be part of the landscape. How about you? We, we wrote some questions to kind of help you assess this. They're in your bulletins. We'll put them up on our screen. Um, but it starts off with, what are you willing to take up arms for? Under, under what conditions are you willing to pull out a weapon and fire it? What is that for you? Second question, lately, what has been getting under your skin? What's the situation? What's the location? Why is it reserved? Now, who's the person? What has been getting under your skin? Third question, just to kind of assess ourselves. What makes your blood boil? What is it? What's the issue? What's the topic? Is it politics? Is it religion? Is it a relationship? Is it on the local scene? Is it on the national scene? What makes your blood boil? And then the fourth question. Who do you regularly go to battle with? Who do you regularly go to battle with? Now, out of those four questions, did you find anything? Did you find any places in your own heart where you lack peace? Because I've got my places. It's interesting, uh, we define peace maybe a little differently than the, than the Hebrews do. Let's take a look at this. Uh, even the Greek word that they choose to, to use when they're talking about peace, um, I won't try to pronounce it because it's Greek to me, but um, these two words, 
One means to to tie together into a whole. The other means completeness, soundness, or welfare. This is the concept, this is the idea of what peace means in the Jewish mindset. So whether they're using the the Hebrew word shalom, which I think we probably all have heard, or irin, I assume that's close, the, the Greek word, this, this is more than just a lack of, of warfare. There's, it's a more complete word than that. It's, it's not just a lack of chaos. It's not just a lack of, a, of an enemy. It's about being unified and, and having a singleness in purpose. It's it's wholeness. It's things as it should be. It's, it's, it's things working within the design that God created it for in the first place, whether it's family. Like family has shalom when family's working the way family was designed to work. Community has shalom when community is taking care of the needs. When community is working in a way that it should That's peace. It's uh, it's it's a word that um, that has some significance to the New Testament conversation. First of all, every New Testament author writes about peace in some way, shape, or form. Every New Testament author, they either express a desire for you, the readers, to experience peace. Or they talk about what it means to have peace and, and what it looks like to experience peace and, and how, peace, how peace is supposed to play within the Christian life. But every New Testament author talks about peace. And peace is found in every New Testament book except for one, 1 John. This is a significant conversation. Maybe as significant as war is to us as Americans. We just came out of one of the longest periods of war, I think, in American history. And we have wars on just about everything. We have wars on drugs. We have the culture war. We have the war on terror. Like, as a nation, we kind of like our wars, don't we? We like to have our enemies predefined, well-defined, concrete. And we like the tools of war almost as much as Rome did, maybe as much. One of the slogans that you find uh, within Rome, within the Romans' culture, is piety, war, victory, peace. Piety, war, victory, peace. And in this slogan, what they're saying is, hey, first of all, piety is... Uh, is a way of saying, hey, if we're all on board, if we all kind of step in line with each other, if we're all on the same page together, like, listen, just go where we're leading, right? Get on board with our agenda, and it's going to be all right. And what's our agenda? Well, our agenda is war. Why? Because when we have victory, that's when we experience peace, 
What we're going to find when we take a look at the breadth of scriptures of the New, the New Testament conversation about peace is that Rome's definition of peace is upside down. It's backwards from God's. It's a different perspective. Rome's idea of peace is, I will experience peace when you either get on board with my agenda or I dominate and I defeat you. That's how I experience peace. That's how, as a culture, we will experience peace. It's very much about domination. It's about destruction. War is the tool for peace. And we're going to see that it's flipped. It's upside down to the New Testament concept, what, how we achieve peace and what peace is about. I don't know if you're going to find a, in human history, a, a civilization that was more prone to war than, than Rome. Right? Can, can you picture that? I mean, if, if you've seen any of the, uh, the chosen films, any of, if you've watched any of that, like it, it's, it's very clear that Rome was there to dominate, to control, to assert their authority, assert their power. And when they couldn't do that, they didn't have peace. When they couldn't control you, when they couldn't dominate you, they folded. So let's take a look. Let's take a look at uh, just uh, the breath. And, and I don't typically like to do this, throw a bunch of verses at you all at once. Um, but I felt like in this case, we needed to see the breadth of the conversation. And, and I just wanted to look at what the, what the New Testament authors, after Christ, what did they learn about peace? What did they want other people that were, that were coming into this relationship with Jesus Christ, what did they want them to learn? What did they learn through their experience with Jesus about peace? And Paul starts out... Oh, let me say this first. Um, these verses, these New Testament verses we're about ready to cover, uh, these are not, uh, these are summarized. I changed the wording a little bit just to summarize the idea, the concept, and I've given you the full list in your bulletin, but if you want to know what the Bible actually says, you got to go look it up, all right? Just want to give you that Disclaimer. But we are justified by faith and have peace with God through Jesus Christ. This is the first thing that Paul says about peace. And this may be the most significant thing that we ever learn about peace. We have peace with God through Jesus. How, how, how does God go about Establishing peace. I mean, if anybody could, if, if anyone has the, the ability and the right to dominate people, it would be God Almighty, right? Instead of dominating, he sends, him, he sends his son to the cross. He, he goes to the cross. 
maybe our pathway to peace is not through domination, not through destruction. Just maybe. Paul tells us in Romans 8 that the mind set on the spirit is peace. The Holy Spirit's going to be a significant component to us experiencing peace as a people. We're told in Romans 12 to be at peace with all men. All men. And again, we have to understand that this is in contrast to the Roman culture that was in peace with, at peace with no one. Romans 14, the kingdom of God is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is peace. Christ is our peace. There are times where I just I start to recognize, and yesterday is one of those days where I'm looking in my own heart and I'm going, ugh, I just don't have peace right now. And I could go deal with this person on this issue or that person on that issue and try to get peace that way. But what I chose to do is to God, I, I don't know what's going on here. I need some help. And guess what? God changed, Christ changes things. We're called to preserve the unity through peace. We're told that the armor of God includes the gospel of peace. We experience peace through prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving. Philippians 4, 7, one of the great, great conversations on how to experience peace. Prayer, supplication, thanksgiving. Paul says in Colossians that we are to let the peace of Christ Rule in our hearts. How are you doing with that? Is the peace of Christ ruling in your heart? When I read those words, I, I see that I have more work to do. Paul says, may the Lord of peace himself continually grant you peace. Again, Rome says the way I get peace is I take, I got to deal with the, my problems out here external to me. The New Testament writers say, no, 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 no. Where we start is right here inside of us. Our pathway to peace is through Christ as he deals with things in our hearts. Paul says to Timothy that leaders within the church must be peace-loving. If you're going to lead in, in, in any uh, fashion within Mission Ridge, we need you to be a person that's growing in your love for peace. It's not about a destination, but, but you got to be on that journey. Whether you're leading a care group, a life-transforming group, whether you're coaching multiple groups, whether you're an elder this needs to be true of us if we're going to be in leadership. It's something that we look for. He tells Timothy to pursue peace and remind Christians to malign no one, but instead be peaceable. 
man, if that doesn't change the way I drive down reserve, I don't know what will. James says that the wisdom from above is full of peace. The wisdom that comes from God himself, when we, when we ask for wisdom, we will know it's wisdom because it's peaceable. It's peaceable. And then Peter says to seek peace and pursue it. And he's quoting Psalm 34 when he says that. Seek peace and pursue it. It should be part of our pursuit as followers of Christ. And so while Rome says the way we get to peace is we find our enemies, we define them well, and then we destroy them. When we have victory, that's when we'll have peace. But the New Testament authors learned something else in their experience in following Christ. That I, that I start with what's inside of me. I start with what's right here. What's going on right here, right now. That's where I start. You see, I could only really experience peace with others when I have peace with God and peace within myself. It starts with me having peace with God. It starts with him forgiving me of my sins. It starts with that relationship that changes everything else about me. But it doesn't stop there because I'll tell you what, I've been following Christ for a long time. And I know what that peace is like, but sometimes I still, there's this stuff inside me that comes out when I'm, when I'm dealing with you or when I'm having a conversation with my wife or, or the, the checker is too slow or, or politics comes up and someone says something that I don't agree with. Something rises up inside of me. And it's in my own heart. The circumstances didn't place that there. It just revealed it. It revealed it. And and peace is not necessarily passive, by the way. Uh, Henry Cloud said this. We've all been around middle-aged people who have the boundaries of an 18-month-old. They have tantrums or soak when others set limits on them, or they simply fold and comply with others just to keep the peace. Now, I'm told that when Henry first shared this, that half the room was visibly up in arms, and the other half said nothing. I'll let that sink in for a moment. Uh, Dr. Henry Cloud is saying, you know, we, we will look at the people where they can, they're visibly like irritated and they're like they're saying things loudly and stomping their feet. We go, oh, that person has no peace. But on the other end of the spectrum, the person that refuses to say something because they're afraid of how things might go if they do say something, they lack peace as well. And so it's not necessarily passive. In, in fact, sometimes 
in order for us to experience that wholeness that we're supposed to experience, we actually have to confront. We actually have to say something. But it's how we confront and how we say something. Now, now think about Jesus. Jesus had peace in his heart when he addressed a whole nation that didn't know what it meant to have peace. Every person that he engaged with didn't understand how to have peace. But he, he was able to lead them to peace because he had peace himself. See, I think we can make a difference as Christians. I think we should make a difference as Christians. And there are times that we should say things. We're not talking about being passive here. We're talking about approaching things with a whole heart in order to bring wholeness. Approaching problems with a whole heart in order to bring wholeness within community. So as individuals, as we ex grow in our ability to experience that wholeness that Christ calls us to, we can now address the unwholeness within the community. And there's plenty to address. But if we do it from a place of a whole heart, using peace as a tool, as a mechanism, the peace on within us as our greatest asset for pursuing wholeness within the community. That's what we see in Christ. And that's why I believe that peace is such a significant New Testament conversation from the folks that experienced Jesus firsthand. The implication is this. Advent invites us to orient ourselves towards peace. Will you accept that invitation? Advent invites us to orient ourselves towards peace. Will you experience that? Will you, will you say yes to that? We do the work with the Lord. We have the conversations with people to say, man, I'm not experiencing peace this week. Help me resolve this. We go to those who have that peace so that you can have that peace too. See, there's, there's, there's a couple graphs that we have up here. Isaiah 9 says that there are there will be no end to the increase of the peace that we experience. And I, and I believe that looks like the graph on the left. You have the first advent, there was no peace. Second advent, and over time, that peace is supposed to increase. Right? But I believe that some of us live with the assumption that, nope, things are getting worse. It's less peaceful today than it was a year ago. That's not what the prophet said. It's not what the prophet said.
there will be no end to the increase of his government and of peace. See, I think we live with this idea that, yep, there was some peace when Christ first came and the church was first formed and it started moving out, but it's just getting worse. I actually think that is propaganda from the enemy. I think it's propaganda from the enemy. We'll talk more about that in footnotes. Which of these graphs represents your life, by the way? When you first came to know Christ, your first advent of Christ, your first understanding of who Christ was, his advent in, in your life, and you said yes, which of these, did you have some peace, but now over time, man, the world's getting worse and I have less and less and less peace? I do think we become more aware as Christians the longer we walk with Christ. But just because there's problems out there doesn't mean I should lack peace inside of here. Right? Advent invites us to orient ourselves toward peace. How are you doing? How are you doing? I see within myself, I have some more work to do. Now, I mentioned a year ago, right? I was like, man, what is going on with me? Like, I find myself more and more more frustrated with drivers on the road. And so I started finding ways. I started looking for ways to have peace. I started blessing people. They would you know, pull in front of me and not even pay attention. And, you know, I'd have to slam on my brakes. I'd be like, Lord, bless them. <laughs> I started praying for them. That the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you. You know, like I, I didn't want to, I knew the problem was in here. I can't change the drivers out there. I've tried, guys. I've tried. I can't change them. But I can let Christ change me. So that's our implication. And whether it's the culture, I, I believe that this world is actually a better place after 2,000 years because of Christ. And I believe that there's more work to be done. And until Christ comes, that when that's when the fullness will be complete, when Christ returns. And yes, I long for that day, but until that day comes, I'm going to make sure that Racially, that, that we have much better conversations when it comes to, to women in, within the world and the Me Too conversation and all that. We need to do so much better. And I think the church should lead these conversations. I think we should lead the conversation within the community of what it means for us to be peaceful to experience wholeness, but other people to experience peace and wholeness as well. So on the one hand, I know that there's more work to be done, but I believe that we're actually on this upward trajectory and we should be still because of our response to the call to orient our lives towards peace. So some advantageous next steps. A few, few of these. 
And we're going to ask you to have a discipleship conversation about these three, uh, these three next steps. And, and what that means is we're a small groups church, and so we have our, our care groups and our life transforming groups, and we have people that are involved with those on a weekly basis. Uh, and so you could take and have these conversations there, or you could have this conversation with a spiritual mentor or with your spouse or with your best friend. And if you don't have any of those, I'd love to have this conversation with you, but have this conversation. What has robbed you of your peace lately? What's it been? Who's the person? What's the issue? What has robbed you of your peace? Number two. Anticipate. Where in your life are you longing for greater peace? What's the, what's the thing, the issue that, if you focus on that particular area, you can see the, the greatest movement in your life towards orienting yourself towards peace? What entangles you in your ability to run a race that Christ has called you to? Number three. Prepare the steps you'll take to embrace peace this Advent season. Get practical. Like I, I had to, I had a one. I was, I, I told my life transforming group, I'm like, guys, <laughs> I mean, it used to be a joke on stage, and now it's real. And it's not just reserved; it's all the streets. You know, and, and when I was finding myself increasingly frustrated and and verbally saying things. I'm like, man, what is that from? And that's when I came up with the idea to start saying different things. The Lord bless you and keep you. And God's his face to shine upon you. You know, I had to change the words that came out of my mouth. And as I did that, it changed my heart. Now, is it perfect? I wish it was. I wish it was. But Advent comes around again and reminds me, invites me to orient myself towards peace. Thanks for listening to the Mission Ridge Church Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and share if you enjoyed this message. We are a church focused on relational discipleship and located in Missoula, Montana. For more information about Mission Ridge, visit our website, missionridge.church. Thanks for tuning in. Happy holidays and Merry Christmas.